Hello everyone and Auld Lang Syne as the year winds down. This Week in Mormon says goodbye to 2019 and is prepared to ring in 2020. What's up, Al? Al's here, everybody. Al wanted, to, Al wanted to close out the year with us. What's up, dude? How you doing? I did. I did. I offered my services and uh, suggested I am the right one to be in this seat on the 29th of December. It's been a heck of a year, though, man. Like I was, I was talking to my wife personally. Uh, this has been a big year, and and it's one of those where like I feel like this year has crawled by. This year has taken an eternity to get through. This was not a fast year for me. You, Jeff. I guess it fly by, or or when you think back to January. In January, I was at Space Camp. Okay, Uh, I'm still sad. Space Camp feels like forever. Was Space Camp that long? That does seem like a long time ago because I remember the Black Friday special for Space Camp that you tried to get me to commit to do. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and you wouldn't, and uh, it was an amazing, amazing time. You would have loved it. It looked delightful. It looked very, very fun. I, would I just wanted to go to space camp solely so I could go home and and start every conversation with like, oh, sorry, I, I wasn't here at the last meeting. I was at space camp. Can you catch me up? Anyway, otherwise, uh, Christmas was it everything good? Good Christmas. Everything's great. I had a I had a child. This was his second Christmas. He's old enough to appreciate a gift or two now. And we we aired. What I should have done is got him. Two things. One one big thing and then a little like action figure and he would have been super stoked. We had like ten things for him to get through. And uh there was a little a fatigue by the end, which I was not anticipating. And as we were wrapping these, I was like, This is gonna be a lot for this dude. And it was. Yeah. Uh but uh but yeah, overall overall pretty good time. We're trying to figure out like traditions and stuff for ourselves. Uh our our family, we always do a big new Christmas Eve thing and we did it like a week early so that everybody could have their stuff at home with everybody or with their own families. And so me and my wife are like, we don't have anything to do on Christmas Eve. What will our tradition be? So we really, we, uh, we just played basketball against each other on the Xbox and uh, she may or may not have beat me with the golden state warriors from two years ago. And so it's not, I mean, there should be an asterisk. That's that's fair. That's that should happen. Nine all stars on that team. Are you kidding me? Uh, the jazz just couldn't hold up. And so <laughs> how about you, man? Good Christmas. Shocking news. Good right Christmas. Here. Great time. Yeah, it was good. Fun with the little ones. Our two year old was finally kind of old enough to, to get it a little bit more. I think next year, once they get to their third Christmas, it's when they really oh, grasp it that's pretty nice. well. But, uh, uh, the kids had a good time. It was fun. I too try to think of what traditions to do. You know, we tried, I think we read some stories with them and watched the nativity video and, some stuff like that. We did have Christmas Eve at some friend's house. That was pretty fun. We actually played a lot of interesting games and uh, got to see some of their traditions, which was a lot of fun. Oh, we had the we had and, the sister missionaries come over on Christmas Day because they they get to watch a movie, a Disney movie, and so I, which what was the choice? So we put Tangled on on uh, the the home choice. theater that I built in the basement with like yes, I the I uh, the nine point two point two Dolby Atmos surround, uh, and Tangled has never sounded so good. And you were probably watching a DVD copy of it, like a Gomer. No, it was a Disney Plus, and so we had half the uh, half the output that we needed to fill all the speakers. But still, it was incredible to see on the big screen. Tangled, if you haven't seen it, run out now, pay the six ninety nine, and watch it. It is a treat. Number one, you should never have to pay seven dollars to rent Tangled in this day and age. Two, it's for the whole Tangled. month. You get Disney Plus, Jeff. Oh, that yeah, sure, that's true. Tangled is better than Frozen. That's my. I'm opinion. a shareholder in Disney. Just a disclaimer. I don't know if I have to. Say Are you? That. I have yes, six do. shares. That's right. I think I owned some Disney stock a few years ago, then I sold it. You should have waited. Now's the time. You want to know how many shares of Apple stock I own? Nope. One. And a boy. One. I hate. <laughs> That's not a lie. I own one share of Apple stock. Good, good. If it quadruples, you'll own still one, and it'll be worth a little bit. Neither here nor there. All right. I so uh, the big, you know, a lot's happened in Latter Day Saint news, but I think we can get out in front of the uh, 
The biggest one by far, and the way that our show production schedules panned out, we have not yet discussed, and that is the church has got all kinds of money. The church has got a lot of Apple stock. That's what I'm assuming, folks. Mm-hmm. This was so, a weird. This was a weird one to wake up to. Uh, the story. The story dropped the same night that the sisters were recording their podcast, so it didn't make the cut. And then last week we did our very touching and moving Christmas stories thing. So here we are, a few weeks removed, but that's given us time to digest. Hopefully, not to just issue a knee jerk reaction to it. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 So. Yeah. So it was. It was interesting. Um, the uh, the the article that drops essentially says there was a whistleblower who used to work at was it Ensign Funds or Ensign Trading something a subsidiary of the church where the church puts its money they're the wealth management firm for the church yes uh, though owned wholly by the church <clears throat> and so there a guy that worked there uh, filed a whistleblower complaint with the IRS uh, alleging that the church had a bunch of money there and was mishandling it. And uh, and so uh, there's, there's uh, a few things that are interesting. I mean, one, the whistleblower, like whistleblowers are not bad. We shouldn't villainize them for getting a reward, but the the whistleblower is entitled to 30. It's like 30 or 40% of whatever is recovered by the IRS. That's how they incentivize people to risk their careers and come forward. Um, So, so, you know, there's a lot of people. I mean, it was interesting when the article when the article dropped saying, "Hey, here's what's going on," and they sort of wrote it in a light that's like, "It's like the church. The church has made a huge mistake. They've got a hundred billion dollars sitting in a bank account." And uh, it was written like a hit piece, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, a little bit. And so I had this. I mean, it's interesting because I read it. I found the link on Twitter. Somebody had put it out there. I read it. Now I I immediately, man, it was like it was like a big deal for me. It was like a little bit of a of a weighty thing i've actually i mean it's funny because uh anytime anytime that i get my news or uh or or like church conversations from social media i always have this like kind of crappy experience with it like literally every conference i'll i'll love the talks right i'll love them and then i get on twitter and uh you know you spend an hour on there and i end up hating half the talks you know it's like gosh dang it Freaking Oaks, what a jerk. And these guys, oh my gosh, so insensitive. And everybody's like pulling apart a word or two here and there and then just like villainizing all these all these uh, things that I had great spiritual moments with an hour before, but uh, but because I let the, the frothiness of social get going, um, I end up having like a bad experience with it. And it, it's really turned me off. I like, I can't do the live tweeting with, uh, with General Conference anymore. Jeff holds... Holds that lantern and keeps going. Like I, I just have to turn it all off and uh, sort of isolate myself so I can have a spiritual experience and then come back into it. So with this, it came through social. Everybody's super pissed. They can't believe it. How dare, how dare they have this money? And uh, and it kind of, I mean, I had I had a couple of reactions. Right, one, I was a little bit proud of the church where I was like, yeah, way to go, guys. Hundred bill, man, that you're doing some work, right? It's sitting on. Uh, I mean, they're they're almost like their income is more per capita by a dramatic margin from like the Catholic Church, uh, which I was like, yeah, you're dang right. Mormons. They've got they've they've got good people managing the funds. I mean, as far as making good calls, it seems that we are choosing wisely. And then and then my other reaction, like, <clears throat> dude, I was I was a little bit of uh, I don't know, kind of upset, man. Of like, you know, it, it's it's weird to think that that. You're, you know, all of a sudden your tithing is framed in a light of like, just goes in a huge pot and we're just sitting on a pile of cash and like, you know, maybe they did, maybe they were, you know, they had to loan themselves some money to do the City Creek thing and were they, I mean, technically that's illegal and so they're embezzling from themselves into this other, like, is this stuff happening? And it's just like kind of a faith shaking uh, moment for me a little bit. And, And it's interesting if you think back in the history of the church, man, the church has had a ton of weird money moments, right? We we were Joseph Smith started a, a general store in Nauvoo and uh just took all the inventory and gave it to people that needed it and like would feed his family with it. And so the general store went bust. You can't make money when you don't charge people anything. 
and so that went bust, and that was all tithing funded. And uh, they had a bank that went bust, a couple banks that went bust. They issued their own currency that went bust. Could you imagine being a member of the church while a currency issued by your church then goes belly up and like you lose well, your fortunes from it and stuff? And, and the Kirtland, uh, the Safety Society was a huge, it was a huge fiasco. People left the church over it. I mean, it wasn't just like a big, oh, well, shucks, that stinks. I mean, this resulted in a, a major issue in church history. Dude, yeah. Finances and politics will shape, like they ruin a relationship. And so here- Incidentally- you have- as a quick side note, you can actually see some of the original coins and promissory notes at the uh, Smithsonian Museum of American History right now. Oh, nice. It's kind of cool. That's great. That's yeah, fun. Uh, they got mad when I took a picture, but apparently it wasn't allowed. <laughs> so I, uh, I got yelled at. It was fun. Well, well, so I like I got to think back and just be like, man, there's a there's any time that the church has sort of had a, a run in with money, uh, you know, it, it's you can appreciate how testimonies could be shaken in some of this. And so I had a couple of, I, I mean, I had a couple of thoughts, Jeff. I'm not sure where, where you landed on a lot of this, but. Uh, oh, I'm not, I haven't been to church for three weeks. But, but what about this? What about this thing? Um, oh, this, yeah, yeah, you're right. So, so, I mean, it, real quick on the, on the money piece, the, the way the math breaks down is they take in seven mil, seven billion a year from tithing. Six billion of that go to paying for the operations of the church, and they put one billion dollars away in a savings account starting in like 1996 or 97. Um, that that has accrued, so you're you know you're talking twenty some years uh, over the course of that time that it's grown at a six to nine percent rate, which is is good, not great, but good, uh, and uh, and that accrues into about a hundred billion dollars. So way to go, way to be saving and frugal. And you invested in normal money market accounts and your money grew. That's awesome. Uh, it's exactly what they preach to their members. Be frugal, save for a rainy day, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you could appreciate the pile of money that they're sitting on because 50 years ago, the church was not in a super sound financial state. And you have a lot of uh, a lot of the the presidency or the the members of the Quorum of the Twelve and... and uh, you know, the church presidency are they? They would have some PTSD from that, and so I'm sure there's not there's a part of them that's like, "Good, we're safe. We're gonna we've put ourselves in a good position." That's an important thing to remember. So yeah, we have we have not always done well financially, but that and that goes as recently as the 1950s, for example. I mean, one of the great pieces I read um, by where that one go by Nathan B. Omen, who is a uh, let's see, he's a professor at William and Mary Law School. William and Mary is over in Virginia, in Williamsburg, active in the church. But he explains some of the history of that. Like we hear a lot about old church history about us being in the red turn of the century, but back in the fifties, during the era of vast international expansion, we ran deficits to do so, and it was around then that the church stopped publicizing or stopped publishing about the church's finances, not to um, hide the wealth, but to hide the embarrassment of not of not using money effectively, essentially, like of just be still being in debt in the 60s, even that recently. Yeah. And it wasn't until the leadership of uh, N. Eldon Tanner established three principles, you know, f- for the church to function by. So, you know, first was that annual expenditures would never exceed revenues, period. Second, we would never take on debt, which we've heard about a lot. And that third, each year, a portion of the church's revenue would be placed in a rainy day fund. And so this this dates back to the 60s and 70s when they established these sorts of things. And the, the thing is, what this article is arguing is it doesn't benefit the church anymore to be secretive because we were, quote unquote, secretive in the first place to avoid embarrassment about how we were screwing up with our money. So and I, now we're secretive because we don't want to show how much money we have when we could potentially disclose some more basic statements at the very least. I, I agree with that. Feel. I think I think that uh, that transparency would solve a lot of this. The the problem, I mean, it's it's interesting because if they were mismanaging their money, everybody would point to them and say, "This church is a crock." Look at them mismanaging their money. They manage it well. Everybody points to them and says they're doing they're doing it wrong. Like they shouldn't be doing it right. And so by not having transparency, you know, they don't have to they don't have to really. Uh, answer to anyone, right? Like they get to sort of move on, on a whim. And if a billion dollars goes towards some other thing, uh, it leaves them flexible to sort of be responsive to whatever they want. And so I can see the draw to not being transparent, but also uh, a little transparency 
man, we've we begged for this for years. Uh, every time they do the audit report, where it's like, man, give us give us a little something just to have an idea of what's in there. <laughs> Can't wait to see that one in April. By the way, I'm sure nothing new will come. But it, it but it saves. I mean. Yeah, I can appreciate why they're why they've done it this way for so long, and it's going to be a hard drug to sort of let go of of like starting to answer and, and be exposed there. Um, but man, there's they're not going to win either way, right? I mean, the fact that people are as outraged over the fact that they have a great savings account uh, as they would be if they were like completely tanking is bizarre, but like not to be surprised at. So, <clears throat> so. It, yeah, so the uh, they've managed they managed some money pretty well. They haven't done outstanding at it. They've got some in there, but the church has never had a spot. They've never been in a situation where they've had to say how much is too much, how much at what point at what point is it our responsibility to start spending it out, um, or or do we continue to save? I'm sure, like with um, you know the growth percentages slowing, right? There's, the church is still growing, but it's not growing at the percentage in the clip. They were. There's a. There's a chance that, like, you know, they're they're expecting financial times to be hard in the years to come, and maybe the Lord has revealed that that you know we're in the seven years of feast, uh, and the seven years of famine are coming. In which case, they'd continue to just pile some of that money up. Um, but but uh, yeah, I mean, at some point, there's like a threshold where any excess that they can generate beyond that, there should be. You know, they'll have to set a threshold and say our responsibility now is to spend this in a responsible way on programs and things that can support people that might need it. Like there that it opens up another mission of the church from like, not just the welfare, but like actively pouring money into philanthropies or like into yeah. charities and stuff. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I think we're talking about good things, but we're also talking around one of the bigger issues. And that is whether or not regardless of what good we do with the money and how well we I think we manage it in terms of the health of the money or the funds. Are we concerned though that the church unwittingly or other still violated tax I, law? I mean, they, like, they may they, have the, this entity is, is uh, audited by like one of the big four. I forget which one that's a KPMG or a Deloitte. KPM, yeah. Uh, so like the, they are audited by these guys. Uh, I would, I would be surprised if the church was liable for any of it with i mean that's one of the benefits that you get from having your financials audited is there's uh there's a little bit of protection there but uh you know in the event in the event that they did i like i i mean it's such an interesting thing because money money is so different in my like it tastes different as i as i consider it with my testimony of like if they did something illegal with the money, meaning they take charitable donations like non-tax donations and use that for a for-profit entity like a city Creek, which we were promised that they wouldn't. Gordon B. Hinckley was very, uh, very proactive to say no tithing funds are supporting this. This is investment funds that we've had that, uh, you know, we're just looking to grow in a good investment to help Salt Lake be better. And it, it has, I mean, Salt Lake downtown is much better. Um, and so I like that. I think that still bothers me a little bit, but you kind of have to pick and say, I, I like, there's some dude that thought that, that, uh, you know, maybe they were issuing themselves a quick loan to pay back, which isn't illegal. Uh, but they just didn't do the paper trail. Right. And somebody screwed up and like, they'll figure it out and get back on top. In which case we should be really glad that the whistleblower came forward. He should, he should not be, uh, I mean, the, the, he's taken a lot of flack where a lot of people are just very critical of his intentions and what he's doing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, if, if he can help fix some stuff and get it cleaned up, like that, we should, we should be very, very excited about that. But it's still, man. And Al hinted at, you alluded to something when we first started out that, yes, the whistleblower does stand to gain financially, right? Yeah. But, but, huge but, because people think he's just in this for the money. He receives nothing unless, after investigating the complaint, the IRS deems it valid and essentially says, yeah, the church broke the law. And only then would he actually get a cut. And as you said, Al, that's because he's risking his professional reputation because you become a pariah when you're a whistleblower. Yeah. And you're, not a lot of people gonna, are looking to put you back in their mix thinking no, that you're not, you might- You're not going to work You might profiteer on them, yeah. And the idea is like, okay, well, your compensation comes from- 
doing right by the law and getting something. But none of that will come his way unless the government deems it a valid complaint and that the church actually erred or broke the law doing so. Yeah. And so it's funny because people say he's all about the money, but like whether he is or isn't, like regardless, he gets nothing unless the government decides that we were wrong and that the twelfth article of faith was not honored, basically, right. in this instance. And like I said, we might have done this accidentally if we did. Um, I do know that some of the tax law and interpretations thereof when it comes to whether funds accepted for charitable purposes have to be reinvested for charitable purposes and not just stashed away. There's, I think there's some disagreement about that, but that's one of the other areas yeah. Yeah. That, they, that they've it, sat on. They said they're just taking the money and holding it when it's supposed to be basically one for one. You've received a bunch of money for tithing and for reasons. Good. You have to send that back out for those purposes, not for for profits or investment portfolios, sure. but to actually help people. And it's going to well, be well, there's no there's no time frame for that, right? That's where that's where the gray that's area where it comes gets from. Tougher, the, yeah. the intention yeah. is there, but if they're doing it on a twenty year cycle or a thirty year cycle or a one year cycle, nobody said exactly when. The other exactly the other piece that's uh that's a struggle for me is like, you know, your your young men's budget for activities for the year is fifty dollars, right? It's like, you son of a bee. Like give me yeah, the how I I'm trying to like keep these kids active and like and like you know socially engaged and the church down the street is building a bowling alley and I got fifty dollars to buy Otter Pops. Like, what are you? What are you doing? Like, give us some of this money to go. Or every time you're cleaning the church on a Saturday morning, it's like, man, we do a crappy job. You really should uh, give us a janitor for this. Like, that would be way cooler. It'd be a great way to spend some cash. But also, are we learning some things? By I don't need to learn anything. I've, ourselves. I've, ugh. no, but, I feel no, like, but like people ex- have the- service experiences with that. I don't, but like, I just hate it every time I have to go. And- I feel like the 25 year experiment of having the members clean the buildings themselves has more, mostly been a failure. I don't think we take care of it like we no, should. No, we've and, and seen that, that buildings can last 25 years with almost no care or maintenance. And that speaks to how, how wonderfully they are constructed. So good for them. But uh, <laughs> but but no, I mean, it's true. Like we've talked about this a lot in some of my Bishop Rick and Ward Council meetings where it's just like the, our building, we say, is just not being cared for as it needs to. Like when people are coming to clean on the weekends when it's a ward's turn, like there's just stuff that's slipping through the cracks. No, you vacuum and, a little bit with a crappy vacuum. You wipe down the drinking fountains and then like spray through the toilets and you're done. You go, yeah, that's it. And it's just, a, and I've, you know, everyone does it differently. Some you ask for volunteers and nobody shows up. Some wards rotate the alphabet and assign families to come do it. I do think that exposing whether the church's actual assets are a hundred billion, whether they are more like 30 odd billion as some other analyses have alleged, I think we can pay for professional care for our meeting. What's our, what is there, 35,000 meeting houses, right? And so, Especially because we do it more abroad. I mean, abroad we employ more people because we try to be a, more of an economic engine. Let's say one janitor not, can handle four meeting houses times. I mean, I just I, – I think that's one of the ones where it's like – At $50,000. I mean, you need like 8,000 – Janitor, so you're spending a half billion dollars a year in salaries uh, in order to clean the buildings. You know that's that takes you from using six billion out of seven that you take in to using six and a half, right? Like it's a it's a big difference, man. It's significant, yeah, it is. And so and so like that's just to clean the buildings. You can appreciate the scale that we're that we're working with. There's a lot of like we should do a lot of this other stuff differently, and and yada yada yada. There's also like. I can appreciate squirreling some of that away and saving it, man. I, I, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather just pay the janitors on this one. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm drawing closer to the Lord by. Well, I mean, and the other thing is, we're pushing so much on families being with being families and with church activities and programs, not getting in the way of family time. Now, obviously, your family time can be coming to clean. All right, the building. I feel like you're focusing on the cleaning the buildings and not the 100 billion, but uh, And that can be an imp- well we're on a tangent, or this is what happens. Ride the wave. <laughs> Ride the wave. I just I I I don't think it's gotten us there. The one of this is a little more glib, but um the fact that we have this much money and the justserve.org is such an atrocious experience that yeah. No, that just happens because the church can't run a product team and doesn't know how to develop websites. And so we're all asked to support this really crappy 
crappy experience on the internet as though we believed in it. And it's just not ever going to work. I know you've, you've almost ruined just serve for me a bit, the more we've talked about it. And it's it so bad in meetings and meetings. I'll be in and like, well, we can just use just serve. And I'm like sitting there like the elitist, like rolling my eyes, like, Oh, you silly people. <laughs> Well, if it's they did it, if they did time. it right, people would like. There's people of every faith that would go there to use it if it, it actually could be worked. Huge, yeah. No. I think that that's a whole other topic. Why are by and large Latter Day Saints are so bad at interfaith outreach? I that's we do it a little bit, but we could do more of it. And well, it's funny. It's funny, man. What so sort of leaving leaving this? If we're okay to leave it, there was another. Yeah, one. yeah we're fine. There's an article you put up around the uh, gay men's chorus came and performed at the DC oh, Visitor Center. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And uh, which which you look at and you say, man, that's so great. That is awesome, right? Like like it sort of breaks down some of the some of the misconceptions people have about Mormons of, uh, you know, we're not inclusive and loving and and. You know, like that. There's not room for gay people in the in our religion, which is a stigma we're trying very hard to overcome and like have not be the case. And we post that up on our Facebook, man. And the comments just make your heart sink, right? There's just so. I many was shocked what some of the people were bigoted, saying. This terrible people that are in our religion. That's just so sad to me. Like, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I just expected more of like, cool, what a great thing. What a nice piece of outreach. That's wonderful. Well, it's so funny, man, because like, because the, uh, I, I gave a, I gave a talk. I don't know if I talked about this last time I was on here, but I get, I, I gave a talk on, uh, the signs of the second coming and, um, you know, I, I lived, I lived for a long time in like fear of, of, uh, you know, what was going to come fear was my motivator in church. You know, you, you were, you were either going to hell or else Christ was going to come and you were going to be burned up and like, you got to do what's right. Otherwise X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And like, as the fear sort of leaves you, as you grow up, it has to be replaced by love, right? Like the reason we go to church anymore, you and I, Jeff, is not because we're afraid of mom and dad getting mad or we're afraid of, you know, like not, getting all the boxes ticked off before we get to heaven and Peter being super pissed with us at those pearly gates. It's like, no, like I don't believe that that's how this goes down at all. I think that like God will look at us as, as people. And we're here having this human experience, trying to build faith and stuff. But, uh, but the, the idea that like, that like we are missing out on the, uh, on the opportunity to actually be motivated by love and, and love people is I, like so much of the church is just missing that. I feel like my parents' age of, of people oftentimes are stuck in this spot where they're still motivated by fear that the let's prep, let's prep stuff is still, uh, is still the big thing. And so when I was giving this talk on, on the se- signs of the second coming, I went through, I read the whole list. I was like, none of these are a surprise to any of us. Right. And they're like, no, and uh, and I was like, you got to think that the whole purpose of this church is not so that we have a year's worth of food and we will live a year longer than everybody else and then die, right? This is not the purpose of food storage and why this there's a there's a principle around this in our church, like that can't be it. There's no we don't get any points for living three months more than everybody else and not dying when they all die and then dying later. I was like, there's something about having having plenty and and not stressing about when bad things happen and having enough to share with your neighbors always and like never you know like building up building up the supply so that you can be frugal and and uh, you know deliberate in your consumption. Like, there's principles here that are absolutely uh, you know like Christ like principles, but the point of it isn't how much flour you've got under your bed frame at home. And, yeah. and with that, with that sort of mentality, right, you come into, you come back into the everyday of the church and it's like, man, guys, I, I appreciate what you're trying to do with like making sure only the right people are believing in Jesus, but you're doing that wrong, right? Like there's, you don't get any awards if you kept all the gays from being, from being, feeling like they were accepted and loved. Like you don't get any high fives in heaven for that. None. The point of this is to love people and like learn how to love people with different views and different beliefs. And like, if you can't practice that in this religion, gosh, yeah, like we've missed the entire point. We've missed the whole thing. 
yeah. be devastating. And like, I get it. It's a contentious issue. Why is it a contentious it, It's not. No, it shouldn't be. But like people see, I mean, some of the comments, you know, people saying like the choir is unworthy to be at the temple, even the visitor center. I'm like, dude, it's a visitor center. The whole point of the visitor center is to say, hey, everyone who's not of our faith or belief or lifestyle or anything. They're humans, Come and see. If it was a a homeless choir of heroin addicts. Exactly. They still have a place to come and try and praise the Lord. Or even beyond that, what if it's a choir of a, what if you see a choir of like institute? members, you know, young single adults. And what if some of the kids in the choir, because there's not like a recommend check on the choir, what if kids in those in, are struggling? What if some of them have word of wisdom problems? What if what they're if whoremongering on the weekends, Jeff? What if they're sexually active in some way and they're working through that or they just don't care? I'm not condoning the behavior. Hopefully we I'm got some saying. jerky high priest that's going to show up and try and clear all that out. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like, we would never say anything about them because the choir is just called, well, the Young Singleton Institute Choir of blah, blah, blah. Oh, they must be amazing. And just because if this choir wasn't labeled, you know, the Gay Men's Chorus of Washington, and it was just called like Men's Chorus of Washington. Everything I know about the Gay Men's Chorus of Anywhere is that they have like their beautiful voices. <laughs> they sing so yeah, well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And the, the bottom line is like, this is a wonderful outreach opportunity. And the DC Visitor Center of all places, the Festival of Lights is a huge community event. I mean, when they have a grant... When they have a kickoff for it, an apostle shows up. They have plenty of people from the interfaith community and just the gen- the political community come to honor the DC Temple because it's such a landmark. And like to say this, this is like almost arguing like, okay, so when the temple's rededicated next year, are you going to say every member of the gay men's chorus of DC can't go on a tour of the temple during the open house? Is now, that not now, okay? The, their logic like, is clearly flawed of these It's stupid. Bigoted it's, it frustrates Mormons. me to no end. Like I get it that you don't have to accept <laughs> what's, what's crappy homosexuality in the eternal plan. Whatever. What's fine, crappy but. is we're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> hey We're preaching to the choir because, it, I mean, it's such a small subset. Like you go, you go into your ward and like everybody is, is of this same mind. And then there's two old guys. That that just really believe like if they don't speak out and say it how they see it that that uh, they're but the thing is it's not old guys I mean the, some of the people commenting even on our page our page skews millennial broadly speaking I would say and it's like no you got people who are yeah, probably I mean, in their thirty yeah. in their thirties well we'll call them homeschoolers the all right those those other ones I call them all to repentance recognizing that I too need to be called to repentance myself for no but but this this weakness. is the kind of stuff that like man you just it, it hurts so badly because you want like we're not arguing that they need to be uh that they need to be baptized or given recommends we're arguing that like the way christ would treat them is with a hug he'd hug he'd hug every single one of them it's god's children come and sing yep yep yeah and and uh that's man that's what you want our reaction to be but it's just not it, Al, it's getting better Speaking of another temple, let's talk about one that is closed as of today. The beloved Salt Lake Temple, my friends, going down for four years for a mega renovation that's going to even expose the foundations as they seismically retrofit the structure and add some stuff and rejigger the whole annexes. They're basically gutting a half of Temple Square and redoing this whole thing. Major, major. Problem. Are they going to change the above ground piece? Um, Part of it. Yeah, when they announced the plan. So if you've been to the temple in the past, you've probably seen that on the north side of it, the actual main temple structure near the ground level, part of it butts out where they have some ceiling rooms that were added at some point, probably, I think probably in the renovation in the 90s for the the, uh, centennial. Um, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, Al, but if you actually- I'm excited. Most pictures don't show this off, but if you look down on a view from the north side, you'll see that. They're going to- Demolish those, but I think they're going to rebuild them in some capacity to make use of the space. I feel like we should build a second Salt Lake Temple going the crossways. Yes. And turn it into some sort of a, a big bastion of granite part dich. Now, either I'd say I'm going to take you one farther. Don't just have one temples perpendicular to one another. Actually make the new perpendicular part cross the temple. That's what I'm saying. The temple into an X. Yes. A giant yes, gothic Jeff, we X. we agree. Yes. This is brilliant. First time in forever. You um, should be the architect. Thank you. Uh, as far as other stuff, by the way, you can see above ground temple itself. It should just be that. But then they're demolishing all the other buildings you've seen from the annex, the chapel, the the whole stru- – all that stuff is going away and they're opening it up quite a bit. They're getting rid of the walls around Temple Square right there and replacing it with a fence. 
and more pathways like inside. Like a failing fence? A nice fence. A nice churchy fence. It'll probably be that churchy Wait, they're demolishing the North, uh, the North Chapel? Yeah. Basically, everything you know that's not the temple proper. The visitor center, gone. The South Visitor Center is gone. Joseph Smith Memorial Building, gone. Church Over. Office Building, gone. Yes. Woo. Family History Library, gone. Um, but they're doing quite a bit. We have an article about it. We can link to it here if you want to read more about it. Yeah, I'd like to link to it. For the building. It's going to be kind of cool when you get your recommends because the way they've done it is the recommend desk will be subterranean with a skylight above it. So you'll see the temple looming above you as you go in. But the bigger point here, the temple's now closed. Goodbye. As you might imagine, the Salt Lake Temple is very popular for the married set in that those who wish to wed inside of its hallowed walls. And there has been a bit of a rush Mm. to wed in the Salt Lake Temple. So much so, if I'm not mistaken, I believe there are girls who reserve temple ceiling slots without even being engaged. No, that was the, that's how they that's how they lead the uh, the article. They're, what, what was her name? Allison or Alex? Alexis or something? But like Alexis Anderson is. <laughs> she reserves a slot at the temple to get sealed, even though she is not engaged. That feels like such a baller Utah girl move, where it's just it like it feels like a it feels like a turn of the century Jennifer Lopez. I, it's like when you'd well. you'd set a baptism date without anybody to be baptized. You're like faith is going to pull this one through. It's like when the stake wants you to set a baptismal goal for yeah. your ward. Yep. For the month. And and you say, okay, I'm going to do it on faith. And you say, I'm getting married in the Salt Lake Temple because of vain <laughs> reasons where I just want to I just want to get married in this nice place that uh, I've always dreamt of. So I'm going to take these vain reasons and tie them to the Lord having to come through in my behest so I can get it. Uh, he loves when you do that, by the way. So keep it up. By the way, so real quick aside, I want to get back to this. I just received an email from the Elders Quorum Presidency asking if my family is available to clean the chapel. Oh, coming shortly. Just just reply and say one hundred billion. That's it. <laughs> just no, not even say that. Just link to the article <laughs> or the ordained janitors. I got you a little place to pay for it. Anyway, um, yeah. So apparently they've had a rush of people trying to get married in the Salt Lake Temple we, while they can. You, you think about it, man. The, if the market perform, I mean, if you take three percent out, which is which, you can beat that every year. You're going to make six percent in the market. On average, uh, you have two percent for inflation. You like take three percent out. You take a three billion dollars a year in profit from this investment. That's what you want to clean the church with. You're not taking any of the principal. Oh, uh, you're back no. on that. Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm talking about how now. Where are they going to get married in Utah, Al? Ochre Mountain. Ugh. Saratoga Springs. Payson. We're not. Not even done yet. No. Ogden. I mean, the closest Provo, ones Orem. will be Dra- Draper or Jordan River or Bountiful. Yeah, none of which, those. I don't know. Work. I don't know which one of those trumps in terms of the zeitgeist. Which, which is like, the nearest one with a live session still? Man- Manti is the only other one with a live session. Ooh, Manti, so hold both, on. The, both the nearest and the only. Did the Logan? Manti is, the Logan doesn't do a, a live session. No, the Logan Temple is kind of a sad place. <laughs> if they did do a live session, the axe in the wall. Would be such a Satan move. What are you talking about? There, uh, so this, this is actually another story. This dude, this dude felt bad because no women would love him, and uh, and so he breaks into the Logan Temple, puts an axe in the wall, and breaks a bunch of glass, and gets arrested. I don't know. I w- that's got to be the most exciting night for the security guard of the Logan Temple, bar none ever. He is. He just all of a sudden finds a a shining moment. The Jack Nicholson character is. Just, Running through the halls of like, where is she? Where's the Joker? And uh, if you were walking you're, you're through the temple when it was there. closed, that would be an eerie, big building to run through. Dark? Yeah, yeah. it would. So I guess a, a deranged fellow uh, broke into the temple and went cray-cray. He did. He really did. You know... It could be a blessing in disguise, Al. <laughs> We're just trying to get this remodeled. We want we, we know we want the, a the nicer Logan interior Temple, for Logan. I mean, if we're we're redoing Salt Lake, St. George is also now closed for an extensive refurb. It might not be until those are done, but if you know your history of the Logan Temple, it is not inside similar to its other pioneer forebears. It is a relic of the 70s. They gutted the whole thing in the 70s. It was mostly an issue 
of just capacity, I guess, is what drove it. There was a fire in the temple in the early 1900s, but they restored it, and it was still a progressive, pioneer-like temple, you know, with a, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. President McKay talked about changing it so it could accommodate the the new video that they started using in the 50s, at first when the uh, Switzerland temple was dedicated. But then it got to the 70s, and they decided, okay, we're going to do this. Well, everybody primarily. made so many bad decisions in the 70s, man. Well, the funny thing was originally they wanted to potentially gut the temple and change the inside so it could hold more people because the Salt Lake Temple and the Logan Temple were the only temples in the area. I mean, back then, Utah still only had like the four temples from the Pioneer era, and there were three-hour waits just to do an endowment session, for example. So they still they talked about doing this before they built the Ogden Temple. They still built the Ogden Temple, but the the waiting issue remained at Logan. So eventually, the main reason they gutted the whole inside was just to put more, it increased capacity by something by like 75%, I read. So those that that's a real gain. But the loss was they just they just took it all away. Even some of the original Pioneer murals have, are actually in storage. We didn't just t- trash them. We took them out. That's just some foresight. Them, and put them in a safe place. We said, we're going to make some bad decisions, but we don't. We don't want to hurt everything. Well, pr- I think President we've all Kimball, been there where it's like, listen, I'm going to lock the door. I'm going to lock the door before I go on this drunken, crazy, drugged out binge because I don't want to accidentally leave the door open and have the furnace run all night. That's what. That's essentially what the pioneers did. They said, more, we're going to remodel this. Let's take the good stuff, put it somewhere safe. The pioneers of the 1970s. That's right. Yeah. The, yeah. We call them the uh, the hippie pioneers, but yes. Okay. Even President Kimball regretted having to do it. So it's kind of sad. So I hope I I would prefer if they go back, even if it winds up being like faux pioneer. I'd rather have that than if they'd say, let's make it kind of modern on the inside, but older on the outside. Like the like the Nauvoo Temple, the current one is pretty contemporary on the interior, even though the outside. One is man's up. freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. There it well, is. What is it what is, is this uh, Peter Ambrose who... Uh, <laughs> His, Don't know his reason for being in there was no women of the faith would date him. and uh, That's going to get him. That's how he's going to get him. They're going to say, hey. Is he a freedom guy fighter who- or a terrorist? We won't say. He might aren't have just the- turned the interior decorating crew back on the Logan Temple. Aren't you the temple axe wielder? Hey, man. Hey. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a weird line of logic of like, oh, yeah, you won't date me? Well, you won't date me now either. Well, he probably. Uh, I could go. Isn't well. Find a personal trainer and and uh, really focus on developing good habits and trying to get back into journal writing so I can be more thoughtful in my conversations. Or I will wield this axe through a window and put it in the wall of the temple. Beautiful. It's an alternate option. They are options. Al, since since you and I are both moguls. Sure. I want to talk about my favorite Twitter account, Billionaire Magazine. Oh, uh, yeah. Long-time literally, listener, first-time caller. Absolutely. It is literally a magazine that is designed for the super rich. Like, that's what the content is. How much is the subscription to this? This I do not know. I got to click through this. I got to know. Billionaire Magazine. Some quick the, the Billionaire Magazine. Subscribe. It has 250,000 followers on, uh, on the Twitter. It's kind of an awful website. Yeah. I go. mean, this could be better than it is. That's what she said. So, oh my on gosh. December 25th. This is a disaster billion- of a website. It's horrible. Billionaire Magazine tweeted out, My brothers and sisters, may the spirit of love, which comes at Christmas time. 15000 for the platinum subscription. <laughs> fill our homes and our lives and linger there long after the tree is down and the lights are put away for another year. Thomas S. Monson, accompanied by a picture of what I think is an Acura RSX. I, I love this but, because you know they just went through some quote database and like yeah. found this one and then pairs it with a picture of like a Lamborghini and they're they're, <laughs> they're like, yes, Merry Christmas, fools. Suck it. And then it's a Thomas S. Monson quote. It's like when wasn't it Snoop Dogg quoted Gordon B. Hinckley or something? Or yeah, I was about Perry. to say it was that time I think. We were yeah, like, so, yeah. Was it Snoop? Yeah. 
I don't know. Like, dang right. Uh, this time, on the other hand, most of the responses to it have been Latter-day Saint-based. Number of GIFs showing dismay, you know, a, a GIF of Inigo Montoya saying, I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> and all sorts of things like that. So props to Billionaire Magazine for really understanding the Latter-day Saint brand and uh, and running. Well, you never, like, when you find a quote, you never look up the author and you're like, oh, no. he, he was a terrorist. Well, the funny we thing is... Get, the, use this. The, all the quote says is basically, may the spirit of Christmas last past Christmas. That's the gist of the quote. It's not like it was President Monson randomly saying, may your wealth bring you joy as it blesses you for your righteousness. And I the, love it. It's a pretty benign it. quote in the first place, but but here we are. Also, real quick, uh, a quiet policy change that you could easily have missed. Uh, we remember back in April, the church overturned the fabled, uh, fabled uh, November policy. The prohibited oh, the children. I, I heard of, the fable of it. The children of same-sex couples from being baptized until they were at least eighteen, and a number of other uh, ancillary issues. Uh, along with that, there was there's also been a ban for a long time of the children of polygamists from joining the church, and there's been similar restrictions rather. Until so, in, did they just have to do the same stuff, like renounce the lifestyle and things? They like had that? to renounce the lifestyle. They had to be 18. A lot of lot of things like that. Uh, the church has quietly updated the handbook. No announcement about this. But now, children of polygamists, as long as they're eight years old and as long as one parent approves, can join the church like anybody else. Very similar to the rescinding. One of many parents, but one. <laughs> it makes it easier. Your you odds are better. Options. Yeah. You your, don't like what mom Your said odds it? are Go to mom. Go, go to, to mom. your other mom. Go to the other mom after that. So uh, they'll, they can now, they can do it like anybody else. There's actually been a number of quiet handbook updates for old handbook one at the same time. Like the, uh, the rescinding of the November policy as far as it relates to LGBT families had yet to be codified in the handbook until this update just this past month. Took them kind of a while to get there. I don't know why, but but they got there. So good news for the you and yours who have polygamist friends. So here's one here's one I loved. The uh Utah now allows like normal beer and alcohol to be sold at a normal alcohol content. That is because these people are heathens and zealots. Yeah, you should turn our Facebook. They should on. not be able to be at the visitor center. So, so they uh, they increased the limit to 5% where everything else was 4%. And so there's a bunch of like state-owned alcohol places that have 4% alcohol beers. A lot of states do this, by the way. A lot of and uh, they, they sold it at a discount through Halloween, and now they've thrown away everything that's left. And so the, the title is Utah Tosses Thousands of Gallons of Beer After Law Change. What's funny is I remember being a... Uh, like a an eight year old kid and praying that all the beer in the world would be thrown into the ocean so that nobody would have to get drunk. You like the way that this? I was thinking about uh, how how this stuff worked as a, as a child, this was my dream. And so to see this happen now, I'm like, well, prayers get answered in a myst- God moves in a mysterious way. Two hundred and seventy five cases of low alcohol content beer finally meeting its match. Well done, Utah. I'm just you prayed for this. That's uh... it, when you're a kid and you're like, you're like, wait, my uncle gets drunk. Why does he always get drunk? What if we could help him? What if there was no beer that would fix this? I will say, I think the way we were raised in the church, I saw people that drank at a young age, and I would think they were like bad, like they were bad people. These yeah. drinkers and smokers were just bad people, and I should not even associate with them. So. Again, again, there's I mean, we like about. our parents had it easy, man. They could raise us with like just some straight up fear. And now that you, there's like your social circles get too big, too fast uh, from the internet, from everything else. Like you just have to <laughs> have to teach like from principles around love and appreciation. Friggin' and, millennials. Like, gratitude. Ugh. It's a different world. I wish, I wish I could just do the fear stuff, man. It'd be so much easier. Well, there we go. Uh, other quick mentions, the Young Women General Presidency appeared on the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, which is a podcast that apparently exists that's produced by the church. They talk about stuff. <laughs> also, in similar news, the uh, the apostles wrote articles that were in the ensign. So we're still seeing the church publishes church leadership voices. I'm, I'm glad to see that the church is still trying to make random podcasts. The whole reason we started this show almost 10 years ago 
was because the church was putting out podcasts that were like a conversation with M. Russell Ballard. And and, one- and like the people that would do like a talk a week and stuff, they kept getting shut down because of copyright stuff. And we're like, man, that needs to be so something. Yeah. So that was part of our thing. So whatever. Churches, the church's digital game is a lot better than it used to be. There was a, uh, a senior missionary in the Nauvoo mission who died in a car accident on Christmas, which is a, uh, a huge bummer. Yep. Our yeah. thoughts and love to Craig Mayox. It's very close here. I guess he died in Iowa. Which, yeah, the, yeah As, that's yeah. sad. Um, and lastly, the results came in from our poll about your ward Christmas party. Did, does Santa come to your ward Christmas party or not? This can be a divisive issue. Fifty-eight percent of you said yes, and forty-two. This is why I love. This is why I love being around you because you'll find this weird, random stuff. It would never in a million years occur to me to like think: Should Santa be at a holiday party? It it no a Christmas party out. And you can Christmas. find the wasp Christmas you war on Christmas fool. Um, <laughs> I only thought of this because I never had this be a thing in my life until the current ward I'm in, when like Santa at the Christmas party is just like a no no. So I'd never realized it was an You're issue. Like wait, before. he brings Christmas joy, and then I well, so does Jesus, and so then I yeah, but Jesus doesn't bring you presents down a chimney, Jeff. Use your head, man. Come on. I did watch the awful Disney Plus movie Noel. Did you see? That I one? did too. Yeah, that was terrible. Was so great. <laughs> so great. It was not very good. It was, uh, it was Hallmark. Amazing. Hallmark with some better production values, but that was about it. Anyway, that's going to do it for us on this show, everybody. Please send us an email at contact at thisweekinmormons.com and visit that same website. So great. Thisweekinmormons.com. What a treat. And just talk to us and stuff. If you're not a patron on Patreon, that's P A patreon.com slash this week in mormon and you want to pledge a dollar a month to the show spelled p-a patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash this week in mormons i ask for one dollar a month and it would be very nice of you it would help the cause and it would help us build our own out like some sort of like dude (laughs) we need we i want a war chest too man how am i gonna get to 100 billion in assets if i can't not not just assets how are you ever gonna sing in a choir worthy of performing on a temple ground exactly unless you can get more money in your pockets if people uh, i'm not gonna release our finances if people know twins in the red come on why would i do this why would i embarrass myself like that how great would that be man i'm gonna whistle blow on you it's gonna be awesome (laughs) and uh find us on people he's going to burger king with his money Find us on Facebook, Twitter, all that jazz. Have a great time, and we hope you all have an excellent new year just with lots of Martinelli's. Enjoy that stuff. Mm. It's real. Anything else to add, my friend? Okay. I guess not. Al's a great guy. I'm a great guy, too. I'm Jeff. That's Al. This is This Week We're all great guys. We're great guys. Everyone's great. Oh, you'd be a great guy. You have a great time. Be well, be holy, be happy. We'll talk to you in 2020.